scientific and technological advances and open markets are creating both opportunities and challenges for today's organizations. To stay relevant as a company, you need to be able to adapt to unprecedented change, uncertainty and ambiguity. In this podcast, we explore how leaders can build such organizations. In the last episode, I mentioned that companies traditionally use roadmaps to remove uncertainty. It's been a standard practice in many organizations I've worked with, even to the extent that if a roadmap isn't produced, it's considered malpractice. The primary expectations on leaders and managers, for as long as I can remember, is to remove uncertainty. So today, I want to expand on and explore organizations' fixation on removing uncertainty. Some clues to the origin of this fixation can be found in neuroscience. It suggests that it's only natural and tremendously difficult to come to terms with uncertainty, since it triggers a person's threat response. According to neuroscientist David Eagleman, one of our key functions and mechanisms is to predict. It does this by producing an internal model of how the world works. We use this model to navigate and survive the environment that we engage with. Our brain has basically evolved the ability to adapt and learn, specifically with the help of dopamine. So, practically, our brain predicts how to respond in the situation based on its current internal model. When the results from our actions match our expectations, we get an increase in dopamine. And when there is a mismatch, we get decreased levels of dopamine. And therefore, we've learned by our actions and updated our internal model. So assuming you've acknowledged this understanding of the brain, how can you make use of this knowledge? After all, the brain triggers a threat response when things don't go as expected and when uncertainty is surfaced. How does one deal with that? A big part of it is to regulate one's emotions. It involves acknowledging and labeling feelings before instinctively assigning significance and meaning, consequently becoming less impulsive. However, I won't cover this topic today, but I still want to mention it because it's important. Having this ability will enable other techniques I will share. Also bear in mind that regulating emotions is very different from suppressing, repressing or ignoring them. Another effective way to deal with the threat response is by deliberately updating your internal model of the world while resetting and adjusting your expectations. For example, there are many different types of situations you experience at work. And throughout this show, we've touched upon some. Likely, you've experienced situations that either involved obvious and clear-cut responses with little thinking necessary, or responses that could be found by analysis and unanimous experts. You've also likely experienced situations where analysis wasn't enough, where experts disagreed and you had competing hypotheses. And in some cases, you likely needed to quickly get out of a situation before deciding how to respond further. Identifying the type of situation you and the organization are experiencing should inform the expectations you take on. In complex situations, things often don't go as expected. This presents an opportunity to adjust expectations accordingly. Yes, uncertainty is associated with threat, as I just mentioned. However, it can also be associated with comfort and curiosity. There's comfort in that you're presented with learning opportunities when things don't go as expected, and being curious will help you seek out new learning. 
For example, a team I previously worked with focused on building a user interface in their app for a specific use case. They created a user interface that could be turned on and off depending on the need. They made several iterations and adjustments, but the customers still preferred and kept using the original standard user interface. They investigated and it turned out that users valued content more than the UI. This suggested that it was more appropriate to present users with the most relevant content for the specific use case. Besides adjusting expectations with comfort and curiosity, it's helpful to increase awareness of the concept referred to as emergence, which is considered a property of complex systems. In my previous episode on trivialization, I discussed how causation isn't linear in complex situations and that it cannot be predicted or fully understood by only analyzing individual factors. Instead, outcomes develop from the interactions and dynamics within an organization and among its members. So to truly increase your understanding of what's going on, it's not sufficient to simply focus on processes or specific individuals. Emerges is helpful because it suggests that, for example, attitudes and behaviors are the result of many complex interactions and dynamics that are happening within an organization, and that they, because of this, don't happen in isolation. Even though you cannot control or predict outcomes, emergence suggests they can be observed and monitored. And maybe most importantly, emergence indicates that there is evolutionary progress, that things evolve over time. Practically, this means you can make use of experimentation to observe what emerges from interactions and how you intervene, as a way to increase learning and inform decisions. When designing or proposing an experiment, some things to reason about are what you're anticipating and not anticipating as a result, what you're hoping and not hoping for, what possibilities are present and not present, what specifically can and ought to be monitored, and that there are things that no one can imagine. When going through an experiment, observe any potential effects and evaluate your observations. Remember, as I've said in a previous episode, use unintended consequences as learning opportunities. Also be aware of attentional bias, meaning that you will always miss things, that you won't be able to notice certain things because you're looking for other things. I should say that when I refer to experiments, I'm not talking about full scientific experiments. Instead, I'm talking about acting small and trying out things that seems reasonable and achievable. For example, it could be strengthening certain voices, constraints and practices, and or weakening others, promoting and amplifying certain attitudes, and or demoting and decreasing others, to do more of certain interactions or activities, and or less of others. I've personally found emergence particularly helpful in complex situations for two reasons. One is, it helps me to acknowledge that things that no one can imagine could happen. The other is, that I can expect things to evolve over time, which allows me to observe, evaluate and respond. I have a specific example from a client I work with that relied on a business model that monetized content through advertising. Their success led them to a situation where they didn't have enough content to meet advertiser demand. So they decided to adopt an objective to increase the number of customers that hosted and distributed content through the product. They believed the fastest and most effective way to progress was to create and staff a new team that was specifically tasked with this objective. 
the new team adopted several discovery practices, an experimental mindset, and worked with high creativity and a fast pace. After roughly six to eight months, the team was considered very successful. However, they now had more than enough content, but weren't able to monetize enough of it through advertisers. Around the same time, demand from shareholders and the economic market shifted as well, from long-term growth to short-term profitability. Because of this, it was decided that increasing users that added content was no longer a priority. Team members that had this as an objective needed to be reassigned to other teams and objectives. Some key members from the disbanded team should join the team that worked on monetization and that the successful methods from the disbanded team should be adopted by the monetization team. After a fairly short time, post the decisions, both creativity and progress around monetization had increased. However, there was also a significant increase and emergence of stress, impatience and lack of empathy, which hadn't been experienced before and was unintended. So to summarize, our fixation with uncertainty is rooted in our brain's evolution and triggers a person's threat response. Despite the difficulty to come to terms with uncertainty, it's useful to regulate one's emotions. Complex situations continuously evolve, including knowledge, assumptions, solutions, conditions, etc. For example, today's solutions might be tomorrow's problems. New rules and regulations are created and all are removed. People move between roles and companies. Competitors react in all sorts of ways. And new technology is invented. And we cannot predict with certainty. However, we can partly use emergence to increase learning about the dynamics and factors that influence. We can also update our internal model, meaning the expectations we have on the world, that things likely will emerge that we couldn't foresee. We can also adopt appropriate methods to learn from complex and uncertain situations, methods that will help us give clues to what's more or less possible in the near future, what's a reasonable direction we ought to take, and what the evolutionary potential of our organization is. And lastly, I would like to mention two things. The first, many companies and clients I work with rarely face situations that threaten human lives. If you are working under circumstances that does involve clear risk to human life, it's more difficult and even inappropriate to associate the unexpected with comfort and curiosity and framing it as learning opportunities. So far, I have limited experience from such circumstances and the only appropriate practices I've experienced so far are around failure categorization, containment and resilience and recovery. The second, recent world and geopolitical events is making things increasingly uncertain. For example, global warming, the COVID pandemic, the war in Ukraine, the surge of energy prices and the cost of goods and living in Europe. Because of these, Things that had seemed certain and been taken for granted for decades cannot longer be considered certain. This has, for example, directly led most tech companies to shift from being growth and novelty focused to become focused on profitability. I believe this provides enough reason for us to update our brain's internal model to help us manage the general increase of uncertainty that we're currently facing. Thanks for listening. Until next time.